This is episode number 280, The Ultimate Guide to Goal Setting. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. We are in the home stretch of 2021, easy for me to say. And a lot of us spend this week reflecting on the year that we've had. A lot of the email newsletters I'm subscribed to reflect back on 2021. I haven't done that with my own content, but I've spent time just chatting with my husband about things that I'm proud of from the last year and things that I've accomplished. And it felt really good to do that. And I think that a lot of times we forget to reflect back on all the things that have gone well because we are so forward focused, thinking about things that we want to achieve, thinking about our goals, or maybe even just focused back on the things that didn't go well and the things and all the ways that we came up short. So I encourage you this New Year's to just spend a little bit of time with someone that is close to you. And just reflect back on all the things that went well, or even look for three or four things that went well over the last 12 months for you. And that will help build positivity and momentum moving forward. If health and performance is one of your goals moving forward into next year, check out Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is an incredible company where they put your health back into your own hands. You get to be in the driver's seat and you get to see all of these amazing results. So, what am I talking about, these amazing results? Well, what happens is you can either have somebody come to your house or you can go to a a designated lab. And I know in the U.S. there are lots and lots of these designated labs that take your blood. And then they look at all of these different biomarkers, about 40 or more biomarkers. And then you get to pick what you want to have happen. So if you want better sleep, if you want better gut health, if you want better heart health or performance as an endurance athlete, there's a number of different goals that you can choose from. And the reference ranges of these biomarkers, things like vitamin B12, vitamin D, some of your hormones, your lipids, your triglycerides, the overall inflammation in your body. There's just so many different things that you can look at. And it looks at all these different reference ranges, and then it makes recommendations based on science and research in the algorithm that will tell you what you should do in your lifestyle. So maybe it's taking a supplement at a certain time or getting more sleep or even eating certain foods that will help improve these reference ranges, or even if you need to, cutting out certain foods to improve these reference ranges. If you've never checked it out, I encourage you to do so. Go to insidetracker.com slash Sonia to get 25% off all of their tests. Start off the new year with your health in your own hands. Go to insidetracker.com slash Sonia to get 25% off all of their tests. I've been using them since 2017. (laughs) 2022 is around the corner, so that's quite a long time. So since it is the end of the year, and especially because a lot of us like to set goals in the new year, I thought that I would create a podcast about the ultimate guide to goal setting. Now, if you're subscribed to my free weekly newsletter that comes out every single Monday, and you can do so at sonyalooney.com slash newsletter, I write about topics like this. So some of these topics, if you're subscribed to the newsletter, you might have heard a little bit about over the course of the year. But today, I wanted to put it all in one place so that if you're thinking about setting goals, whether they're athletic goals, whether they're goals with your health, maybe even relationship goals, moving to a new place, setting goals is something that's really important. And a lot of times we'll think about things that we want to have happen, but we never actually put it into action. And maybe we've tried a number of times to put it into action, but we don't actually follow through. Or maybe we start off strong and then we fizzle out. So how can you set goals so that number one, you can feel fulfilled on the way to achieving them. Number two, so that you don't burn out and lose all motivation. 
And what happens if you get off track? How do you get back on track with a goal? Because it's common to get off track with a goal and then to just give up. More specifically, we're going to talk about the mistakes people make with setting goals, how to set a process or behavior focused goal, how big of a goal is too big, because sometimes we do set goals that are too big, but we're also supposed to set goals that stretch us. So where is the right amount? Strategies to avoid self-sabotage and all or none thinking. We'll talk about what the acronym SMART goals means and how to actually apply that in your own life. We talk about tracking goals, how to stay motivated with your goals over time, and how to define what success looks like. The new year is a great time to set goals because the behavioral science research shows that fresh starts are a great way to make us think about what we want to achieve or it helps us create momentum to make changes. So the new year is often a common time to create a fresh start. A birthday could be a time to create a fresh start. Moving to a new house could be a way to create a fresh start. Changing your environment or just having something tick over that feels like a fresh start can be the impetus to making positive change in your life. So let's start with the mistakes that people make with setting goals. It's normal to look at what we want to achieve and to set a goal around that. Some examples that are really common are I want to lose 10 or 20 pounds. I want to finish top 10 in my race. I want to run a certain 10K or marathon time. I want to make a certain amount of money. These are all outcome-based goals. They're focused on what you're going to get as a result of doing the work. And the problem with outcome-based goals is that a lot of time they are out of our control or the reward is way too far in the future. So for example, I could say that I want to win a race and that's a really fantastic goal like in my mind, but I have no control over whether I can win the race. I can control how I'm training for the race. I can control how I show up for the race, but really I can't control how someone else is going to perform or if something weird happens and I just don't win the race. So it's just hard to set outcome-based goals because then we feel like we failed when really it's not about the outcome. It's about the things that you have to do daily or weekly to get you to a point where you can show up and be your best. In some ways, you cannot control an exact dollar amount that you want to make. I'll give you an example. I could do all the best work possible for a sponsor. And when sponsorship negotiations come up at the end of the year, They might just not want to focus on the things that I'm passionate about. And that is completely out of my control. And if I set a goal based on that, then I'll feel like I failed. But really, it's about doing the work and doing my best work possible and creating the best business relationship possible that is going to be the best outcome for me, even if I can't control the dollar figure. And sometimes outcomes of goals are within our control. But we, if we only focus on that, it can be demotivating, as I mentioned, because it might seem too far in the future. Or you just might not realize the type of person that you're trying to become. And I'll get into that in a moment. You hear of people who train to run a marathon or they are trying to do something athletic and then they do the race and then they just never run again. And ultimately, we are trying to grow as a person or slightly change our identity whenever we are setting goals. So the goal of someone who wants to run a marathon is really that they want to become a runner. But if they miss this point, then they they might just run the marathon and quit running altogether. And that's why sometimes finish lines can be demotivating because you get to that finish line and then you just quit all of those healthy habits or behaviors that you work so hard to achieve in order to motivate you to even get to the start line. Goal setting is a really big thing that I talk about in the Moxie and Grit Mindset Academy. You can find that at sonyalooney.com and find coaching and mindset academy that is geared towards athletes. Everything that you need to not only set goals in your athletic career, but how to have more confidence and how to have positive self-talk. And there's just so much in there. But if you want to check that out, you can find that at sonyalooney.com under coaching. 
So I'm sure you've heard about process-oriented goals. And in coaching, we call this behavior-oriented goals. What behaviors can you consistently commit to that will move you toward the outcome you want? The behaviors, the process, the work, that is what gets you to your goal. And that is what is within your control. That's why you've probably heard me say the work is the reward. I made arm warmers that are at moxieandgrit.com that have all of my favorite mantras on them. And the work is the reward is one of my very favorite because it reminds me that any goal that I'm trying to set is actually about the work that I need to do, not about the outcome that I'm trying to achieve. It's okay to have an outcome in mind, but set that as the goalpost and then just forget about it and try to focus on the things that you need to do that are within your control that you can continue to work at to improve. Ultimately, we set goals because we want to feel proud. If you've listened to my podcast before, I've asked a lot of top performers, not just in sports, but in business and in the academic world, how they define success. And a lot of them say that they just want to feel proud. And at the end of the day, it's the consistent work that we put in that makes us feel proud, even if the outcome isn't exactly what we wanted or hoped for. I felt really proud of race results that didn't even land me on the podium because I knew what I had to do to get to that point. I knew the work that I put in and I was proud of my performance. Think about all the things that you're most proud of. Chances are there are things that you had to work hard for. There are things that required you to be consistent and to show up. And that is ultimately what made you feel good about yourself, not necessarily this outcome. As the Atomic Habits author and podcast guest on my show, James Clear says, Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you want to become. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you want to become. So everything that you're doing is voting. Every single time you make and you do an action, every single time you spend money, every time you go out to exercise, all of those things that you're doing are voting for the type of person that you want to become. So focus on your daily actions. Vote to be the thing that you want to achieve. The goal isn't to run a marathon. The goal is to become a runner. So what would a runner do? The goal isn't to write a book. The goal is to become a writer. So what are some habits and things that writers would do regularly? The goal isn't to lose weight. The goal is to be someone who eats healthy. So what are some things that you can do on a daily basis? Or what is some, someone healthy? What is something that someone healthy does on a regular basis? What are the actions of someone who has already achieved that identity that you're looking for? And how can you replicate them and feel proud of them? My husband and I were talking about this on our bike ride today. He was talking about, I forget her name, but she was some um, really, really awesome Olympic Canadian gold medalist rower. And she wasn't a rower for the longest time. And she just started replicating what other rowers were doing. And that ended up getting her to be at the highest level of the sport, winning a gold medal in rowing. The same with the cyclist, pro cyclist, Mark Cavendish. Whenever he first wanted to become a cyclist, he just asked, "What, what do I need to do? And the coach told him, you need to ride your bike a certain number of hours a week. I think they might've said 15 hours a week. And so he started doing that. So you look to the person of what they're doing, ask them what they're doing even, and then start replicating that behavior and start voting for that identity with your actions. Now, how big of a goal is too big? Because you might've heard the acronym BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal, set a goal so big, you have to grow into the person that you want to be to achieve it. And I agree with all of those things, but sometimes we can set goals that are way too big for us. And when we do that, it can be demotivating. The problem with unrealistic expectations or a goal that is too big is that it can undermine your confidence and even make you give up early in your attempt to meet your challenge. So what is the optimal amount of difficulty for challenges? And when it comes to flow and performance, scientists found that just 4% past your current ability is the right amount. 4%. 
That's barely moving the needle. And I think many of us try and dial it up to much higher numbers. A really simple example is technical mountain biking. If you're a mountain biker, or maybe even like think about road cycling, you want to go around a corner at a certain speed, or you want to go off a drop a certain way. And if you're looking at something that's way too hard for you, that's 50% harder. And that's often what we look at. You often are afraid and it's not fun as you're trying to achieve that goal or you get hurt. So if you're trying to improve and, and using technical skills, the easiest thing, because it's very visual, it's very visceral, just aim for something that's a little bit above your ability level and start building confidence that way instead of taking on something that is going to be almost impossible or just make you feel so outside of that level of activation where you are stressed out and you're so far outside your comfort zone that it's not fun and you never want to try it again. Somewhat related, but a side note, there's something that you might have heard of called the Yerkes-Dodson Law, and it's a curve that actually shows the optimal level of arousal in order to perform at your best. So it's an upside-down U-shaped curve, and if you have low arousal or too much arousal, you're going to be too stressed or not activated enough to move forward and achieve what you want to achieve. So there is a correct amount of arousal and setting your goal so that you feel like you're in that sweet spot where you feel motivated, but not so motivated that you're stressed out or it seems impossible, but hard enough where you feel excited and you feel amped up to move forward is something that you can check out. I can admit to trying to take on too much at once many, many times, and it usually meant that I got worse. Uh, another bike related example is that I took a technical riding lesson and they gave me all of these things to work on. And I tried to work on all of them at once and my riding got way worse. So it was about breaking things down and trying to just be a little bit better so that I could improve and working on things one at a time. And if my goal was to just all of a sudden improve all of these things all at once, I just would have gotten worse. I'll keep on the theme of athletics because it's the easiest you wouldn't just say, I'm going to ride my mountain bike or ride a bike 100 miles if you've never really done anything like that before. You're probably going to say, I'm going to start with 20 miles or maybe even five miles and set an appropriate goal so that you can start growing into somebody that wants to do 100 miles. You can still have that 100 miles in the back of your mind, but you have to set achievable steps along the way so that you can build confidence and build fitness so that you can safely and appropriately do it. To make this more broad, setting small action steps or small micro challenges with skill development will continue to help you build your confidence and work towards a goal in a sustainable way. Start where you are today and set just manageable challenges to move forward. And starting where you are today is another really important point because a lot of times we think, well, a year ago I was able to do this or five years ago I was able to do this. And maybe you did, but your inputs right now might be different, or maybe things are, things are different with your fitness level or your health, and you have to meet yourself where you are today. You can have that in mind to get wanting to get back to where you were before and work towards that. But whenever you're setting goals, it's important to start where you are. And a lot of us will think to the best version of ourselves and try and start with that. So you have to be honest with where you are today, and that can be hard and humbling. Setting these small manageable challenges is something that I do with my health coaching clients every single session. They set two or three small goals that put a brick in the wall toward their broader goal. And it's good to have a big vision for what you want to achieve. But whenever you take these baby action steps, having the patience for the long term and committing to the process, that's what helps you build this foundation. And that's what helps you build a taller building instead of putting bricks in sporadically and then having the whole thing crumble all around you. A hundred small steps get you pretty far down the path, create an ingrained habit or skill, and give you the confidence and resilience to move forward. 
Looking at the big picture from time to time is key, just as long as it doesn't overwhelm you, making you feel like you need to do it all at once or that you're never going to get there. It's important to celebrate those small wins. And I mentioned that at the beginning. So like if you're trying to figure out what's a way that you can honor the last year that you've had, look back to small or even maybe big wins and talk about it with somebody that, it, that you care about or just start journaling and write down what you're most proud of from this year. We are often so future focused and focused forward that we forget the impressive mountain that we just climbed. And I know many of us have had this experience where you climb, you're hiking or you're running or you're on your bike and you stop and you look back and you're like, wow, I can't believe that I just did all that. But a lot of us don't take the time to look back and to celebrate what we did. Now let's talk about why all or none thinking doesn't work. And this is really common to be all or none. And there are certain times where you do need to be all or none. However, another landmine of goal setting is thinking in all or none terms. Eating healthy is an easy example. How many times have you said, I'm not going to eat sweets or I'm going to eat this perfect clean diet. And then you have one cookie and that one cookie turns into three cookies. And then you're like, oh, I might as well have a pizza for lunch. And then those chips, I'll just have those chips for a snack because I've already had all those other things today. And then, oh, screw it. I'll just get some fast food for dinner because the whole day has been messed up anyway. And then we tend to self-sabotage and was just from one little slip up or we'll skip a workout and that turns into skipping a workout two days in a row and that turns into weeks and maybe months and maybe even years. All or none thinking does have its place in changing or maintaining certain habits. And in some cases, it is easier to abstain from something completely than to approach a habit with moderation. In fact, studies show how bad we are at guessing what moderate actually means and how moderate we are actually being. So when it comes to moderation, it's essential to have clear limits and boundaries. Whether we are trying to be all or none or trying to moderate a behavior with certain limits, slip-ups are going to happen. So how do you deal with these slip-ups? So number one, setting a goal that is too big or not sustainable for the long term can cause uh, a slip-up. So the solution is to set smaller action steps or just make easier to attain goals so that you can keep building momentum and trend in the right direction. Number two, our environment sometimes makes it really hard to be successful. Like if you want to drink less, but your spouse buys a bottle of your favorite wine, it's really hard not to drink that wine. Or there's candy laying around or sweets laying around in plain sight when you're trying not to eat those. That is really hard to resist those things, especially at the end of the day when you're tired. So the solution would be to create an environment that makes it easier to succeed. Like what we do is we put alcohol in inconvenient places to get to. We don't keep cold beer in the fridge. So if we want a beer, we have to go get it out of a different room. We have to go down the stairs and then you have to put it in the fridge or freezer and wait for it to get cold or just put stuff that is out of sight so that you aren't thinking about it constantly or put something healthy in your line of sight, like a bowl of apples. Make access less convenient for habits you're trying to break and make access more convenient and visible for habits that you're trying to adopt. Another issue is setting a goal that we think we should do, but don't really want to do. So we never actually tap into our intrinsic motivation and meaning. This happens all the time. We see somebody else do it. Someone tells us we should do something, but really we don't actually want to do it. So the solution is to set a different goal. Pick a goal that is meaningful to you personally, or if this habit is critical, find ways to make it personally meaningful and where you can feel or see the benefits regularly so that you can stay motivated. So those are a few reasons why some of these habits don't stick, but what happens if you set boundaries and you still didn't follow through with what you said you'd do? Well, one thing you can try to do is create if-then statements to get you back on track. So I first learned about if-then statements back in engineering school when we were doing computer programming. 
identifying barriers and having a plan B can be effective. And we do this in health coaching too. So we ask what the barriers could be if somebody is setting a goal and then having a plan B if plan A doesn't work. Here are some examples. If I skip my workout this morning, then I will go for a walk after dinner tonight. Or if I skip my workout this morning, then I will make sure I invite a friend to join me for tomorrow's workout so that I don't miss it again. Here's another one. If I open a bag of chips, then I will put one serving on a plate with a piece of fruit and put the bag in a hard to reach place. Here's another one. If I want to get a cookie or if I want a cookie, then I will have insert a healthy option first and decide if afterwards, if I still want that cookie. And this is a a technique that I use all the time. If I'm craving something that is more of a treat, I will eat something healthy first and then ask myself if I still want that unhealthy thing. And one more, if I don't want to go for a run, then I will go for a hike instead. So use if then statements so that you have a contingency plan if plan A doesn't work out. The follow through with these action steps is so important because again, that's how you build trust in yourself. So if you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it, that kind of strips down what you think you can do. But if you do something and then you actually follow through and then you continue to follow through, then that identity changes. I'm somebody who follows through with things that I say that I'm going to do. And you can start today to start building that confidence in yourself if you've lost it. Another technique that I really like is to never miss twice. It's a great antidote to all or none thinking. And if you tell yourself, I missed this thing that one time, but I will not miss twice, then just make sure it doesn't happen again. So if you're going back to eating habits, if you eat something you didn't want to eat or just ate too much of something, Make sure your next action, the next thing you put in your mouth is a healthy choice. And the sooner you get back on track, the sooner you maintain your habit loop. Outliers are just that. They don't have to be the norm. But if you let your outliers become the new pattern by letting yourself miss again and again and again, that's where consistency breaks down. Individual mistakes rarely affect the big picture unless they become what you do regularly. Progress is not linear, as I'm sure many of you have experienced, but it's what you do next and when you realize you're off track that matters and getting back on as soon as you can. So using the saying never miss twice is something that can help you get back on track almost immediately and also create space so that you can make a mistake and it's not about perfectionism and you don't even have to call it a mistake. Just trend in the right direction and you can do that by never missing twice. Simply having a plan can prevent us from giving up altogether, and it can be the difference in maintaining momentum no matter how imperfect that momentum is, or psyching yourself out and degrading your confidence in your ability to follow through with your goals. How do you actually set an achievable goal? (laughs) We often hear, as I said earlier, focus on the process. Don't think about the outcome. And I do love this, and it's something that I'm often reminding myself and those around me about. But I can personally think of things I've achieved where I've said, I'll be happy when I achieve X. But that happiness is so short-lived. And this was the topic of last month's solo episode, and you can check that out. Being happy, working towards doing something, doing your best, and focusing on daily steps to improve are great ways to feel more fulfilled and find meaning in your life. But being vague about what your goal is, is going to make it really hard to say if you achieved it or not, or to know exactly what you need to do. So you might've heard the acronym SMART goals, but it's really easy to forget what that means. But when it comes to goal setting, this is one of the most effective ways of actually verbalizing or writing down specifically what your goal is about. So a SMART goal is a specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and time-bound goal. So I'm going to do X, so be specific about what that thing is, this is how I'm going to measure that thing. It's going to be about an action that you're going to take and it's going to be realistic. So are you actually able to do it? Are you going to feel confident that you're able to do it? 
and time bound. I'm going to do it at this day at this time for this long. So being very specific with how you set those is going to help you achieve them and help you even find ways to motivate yourself to do them. Answering the where, when, and how as specific as possible and making sure that the goal is just outside your reach rather than some crazy pipe dream is a great place to start. So where do you go from there? Making sure that you have a system for tracking the goal is also of utmost importance. Research shows that it's very difficult to improve in something that you don't actually measure. So what are some ways to track these SMART goals that you're setting? Again, specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and time-bound. Number one, use visual cues. And a lot of people love doing this. They'll have a big jar on their counter and they'll put something in the jar each time they work towards their goal. So they'll put like a marble or a rock in there each time they do something. And then over time, they'll see this jar filling up and it's a reminder that they're actually working towards that thing that they want to do. You can do it with an app. There's an app that I like that I have no affiliation with called Strides app. And you can check something off every single day and say that you did it. You can put reminders in your phone. That's something that I do. You can use a Google calendar for workouts. You can use something like Strava or any of the online cycling programs that you like. If you're doing cycling, you can use a large paper calendar and mark each day that you do that thing with an X, or you can even use a dry erase marker on your mirror in your bathroom or on your refrigerator and making sure that it's visible again, will help you build confidence. And it'll also help remind you that you're actually working towards that thing. Coming up with something that resonates with you is going to be the most effective way to do this, but hopefully some of those ideas got you excited or at least got you thinking of a way to make it work for you. Okay, so next is how do you actually stay motivated to stick to your goals? Because a lot of times whenever we get started with things, it's really fun and it's new and it's novel, but then over time it becomes a grind. And I think that number one is to expect it to not be fun all the time. Just because you're not feeling motivated for a day or a week or even longer doesn't mean that you should give up on the goal. And there are certain times where you should give up on the goal, which I won't be talking about today, but just understanding that there's going to be lots of days where it's not going to be as fun as you thought. And that is part of what doing the work means. You've probably heard me talk about the importance of showing up. And I started really talking about this a lot during my first pregnancy in 2019 and 2020 because I was committed as long as it was healthy for my body, and fortunately it was until I gave birth, to ride my bike almost every single day. That would be about six days a week. And there were lots of days I really did not feel like getting started. I could come up with every single excuse why I should not ride my bike. And even to this day, as a professional athlete, and I guess, yes, I am pregnant again, but whenever I'm not pregnant, there are days where you just don't feel like going out there. And it's so easy to just make up all these reasons as to why you shouldn't do it and to start giving in to those excuses. But showing up is one of the most important and best things that you can do for yourself because it gives you a chance to go after that thing or to be consistent with that thing that you're trying to do. And it stops you from talking yourself out of even giving yourself a chance. Showing up doesn't mean that you force yourself through a long workout or an interval workout or whatever the thing is that you're trying to do. But it means deciding after five minutes if you still want to do the thing or not. Showing up can mean washing dishes for one minute. It could mean doing five push-ups. It could be just lowering that barrier of entry to whatever your habit or goal is that you're trying to reach so low that it almost makes it ridiculous that you don't get started. And oftentimes we're waiting for motivation to strike. I'll wait till I feel motivated to start studying. I'll wait till I feel motivated to start cleaning up the house. 
I'll wait till I feel motivated to start cooking. Guess what? You're probably not going to feel motivated. So just get started because motivation is what follows action. You get moving, you show up, and often you feel motivated from taking that action. That's where the motivation comes from. Motivation follows action. Get started to get going, not wait to feel motivated to get started. That said, there are days where you actually do need to take a break. And biking is the easiest example, but there are days where I've gotten all dressed, I've gotten my bike ready, I've gone out and fi- and I've given myself five minutes and I still am feeling exhausted. Or maybe your time that you've set for yourself is 20 minutes, but whatever that time is for yourself, just try. And if you're still not feeling like it, then you can go home. And that means that you probably need rest. But what that does is it stops you from letting listening to your excuses as to why you shouldn't get started with something become a habit. You overcome those excuses every time and get started. And then you give yourself the grace or have the intuition to take the rest whenever you need it to. Having the courage to rest is something else I've talked about on this podcast and in my newsletter. And if you missed it, you can sign up at sonyalooney.com slash newsletter to get a newsletter every single Monday from me. But often we forget about talking about the importance of rest whenever we need it. And rest is often not talked about when it comes to goal setting. But really, it's again, like I said, it's about overcoming the resistance to getting started, getting started, giving yourself a chance. And then if you need the rest, take it. The next thing you can do to help with motivation is enlist support and accountability. It can be motivating to have someone to work on your goals with. Maybe that's a ride or a workout buddy. Maybe it's someone you go shopping and do meal prep with every single week. Maybe you even do it on Zoom or FaceTime. Or maybe it's just somebody that you regularly check in with, like a friend or a coach. Understanding that that your own motivation can be intrinsic or extrinsic or sometimes a combination, and whether having external or internal accountability is what motivates you will really help with this. For me, I'm more internally motivated, so having someone external to, quote, hold me accountable doesn't actually help very much with motivation. But there are a lot of people who are very motivated by external accountability, and that really helps them stay on track. So figuring out what works for you, I highly recommend the book, The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin, because it really talks about our different types of motivation and how you can tailor that motivation to work for you and understand what your tendencies are. And last, it's important to regularly assess successes, learnings, and challenges along the way. I already talked about the importance of tracking your goals, but it's important to revisit what is going well instead of only focusing on what isn't going well to help build and maintain your confidence and also to even troubleshoot if things aren't going well. So talk about what your successes are. Think about what your successes are. Maybe journal what those things are. Write down what you've learned. Write down what those challenges were and then what you need to do in order to make it a little bit better for yourself next time. I recommend doing a weekly or a bi-weekly check-in. And again, this is something you can do with a friend or a coach. This is something I do with my clients um, or something you can just do on your own. You can write it down, take time for yourself once a week and check in on these things. Ask yourself what went well, what you learned and what challenges you faced and make sure that you start with what went well so that it sets the frame of focusing on what is going well instead of focusing on all the things going wrong because it's really easy. I've actually written and talked about the negativity bias. It's easy to focus on all the things going wrong. So if you can start with a few things that went well, that can be really helpful for you. 
And last, ask yourself what support you need. If things aren't going well, what supports do you need? Or do you need to change your goal? Because that's actually not that unusual too. Like sometimes we start down a path and sometimes we actually achieve the goal early or sometimes we just decide that we don't want to do that thing anymore and we want to alter it or change it. And you can also do this with an accountability partner or coach. You can do these things on your own, but it's a lot better whenever you can talk out loud about it because whenever we say things out loud, it helps us be more accountable in that it's hard for us to be out of alignment. Whenever we say to somebody we're going to do something or we explain what we think of something, that helps us stay on the path. It helps us actually commit to it. So that was a lot of different things about goal setting. And if you go to sonyalooney.com slash podcasts or just open the show notes in your podcast player, I have the transcription of this so that if you need to revisit it or there was something where you're like, oh, I've never heard that before. I want to I wanna read or hear that part again. You can do that. If you want continued support with goals, habits, mindset, productivity, make sure you're signed up for my newsletter at sonyalooney.com slash newsletter. Or if you're interested in coaching, go to my website, sonyalooney.com, and you will see a coaching tab. I offer health coaching, which is all about behavior change goals, everything from your mind to your health, to your sleep, to even changing your job. And I also offer mental performance coaching, which is more geared towards athletes and having a better set of mental skills and mental frameworks for racing. Happy, happy new year, you guys. We have come a long way. We are all doing awesome. There's been a lot of challenges in our lives and I am so proud of all of us. Big thank you to your support on Patreon and PayPal and rate, review, subscribe to the show, share the show with your friends. All of those things that you do help the show find others. And I am so glad that I get to do this work and I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. See you next year. 